This is ND Insider's Pot of Gold. Now, with all things Notre Dame football, here's Tom Noy, Mike Berardino, and Austin Huff. Welcome to the latest edition of Pot of Gold. It is Thursday, August 3rd. He is Mike Berardino. I am Tom Noy. And we are sitting here in our WNDU studios, the NBC affiliate, our news partners, home of the countdown to kickoff Notre Dame football pregame show. And speaking of countdown, before we get started, I have a little rant. I'm tired of countdowns. Days before kickoff. Yeah. Today I found I saw days before fall, days before college basketball. Now I'm a college basketball guy, but I don't care that it's 100 days before college basketball. I don't really care that it's a, how many X amount of days 21. 23 days to Dublin. Look at you. I thought about days. it today while I was shaving <laughs> for this audio-only podcast. Why did I shave? Why? Did, what? I did. You did. I did. Can you tell? No. 23 days. I don't want. I don't want the football season to, to be here just yet. I it, like summer. We spend four months. What? Four months. Five months. Six months waiting for the hot weather. Waiting for the sun. Waiting for the heat. Waiting. Waiting to be able to sit outside. Right outside, write my column on my patio outside, cut the grass, be outside, and now all of a sudden, we're counting down to fall. Can we just push fall back just a little bit, just a couple of days, please? Well, I'm, I'm consulting my show notes here. Well, sh- I, I don't see anything on the outline. You know what you do with those Tom, show notes? <laughs> Tom opens with rant about countdowns. You, I wasn't prepared for that. You throw them right out. We don't, we don't go through. We don't go by the script. You want me to get back on the script? The final countdown was a horrible song, I'll grant you that. And, and can't get rid of it in NBA arenas, it seems like. It certainly pops up uh, still. Uh, but uh, I don't know, what was your question? There was no question. It was right. a rant. It you... wasn't scripted, and that's good. All right, we'll go back on the script. But there's right. 23 days to Dublin. That's all I'm telling you. And yes. uh, I think that's foremost on the mind of anybody who cares about Notre Dame football or who's involved in Notre Dame football, that they are on the clock because uh, that's, that's, uh, that's, gonna, that's an energy sapper just getting there and back. That's the job for you to do, <laughs> not me. That's we'll talk about that. Veteran another, move. A veteran move. Speaking of Notre Dame football, obviously that's why we're here. Today is practice number eight for the Irish, preseason practice. Hearing rumblings that maybe they'll practice somewhere other than campus today. Now, that's, that's probably a secret, so we don't need to talk about that. But this will be practice number eight. We've seen us nosy media people the first five periods in four practices. And we've seen one complete one, which, oh, by the way, just happened to be the first day, where they show absolutely nothing. Well, a lot of red zone. A lot yeah, of red zone. a lot of red zone. Okay, so... Your first impressions on, your, on the five periods that we see every day, which is basically a body count. You're, you're, you're looking at numbers. You're knocking, you're Xing off a roster. Take and roll. You're taking roll. It's like the first day of school. Your first impressions of the first eight days of, of fall practice for Notre Dame. My goodness. Um, <laughs> well, it seems to be uh, on pace. They seem to be showing us as little as possible in terms of what combinations that are in for one thing there's not a whole lot to really monitor in terms of like uh, what are they hiding they're probably hiding 
who's really the number one at left guard? That's got to be Billy Shrouth. Who's really the number one at right guard? It's probably Kristofic, but I, I expect Spindler to take over at some point during the year, maybe in time for the, the first one. And it's funny you say they're hiding that because you got a chance the other day. I was off on another assignment to talk with offensive linemen, and from what the list was, I don't know if this was true in person, but from what the list was, no Billy Shrouth, no, nope. no Andrew Kristoffic, nope. no Rocco Spindler. That's right. Not even a Pat Coogan. Not even. <laughs> so, but th- that's probably by design, right? Like he said, they're hiding who the left guard is going to be and who the right guard is going to be, yeah. because we know who the center is going to be. We know obviously who the left tackle and the right tackle are going to be. The other two still open for question, and if there's a question, don't let the media ask any of those questions. Well, Joe Rudolph was certainly uh, gracious. He's a gracious uh, gentleman, and he was certainly more than happy to talk in generalities about that and what he's looking for. He answered the questions that we threw at him uh, as a group um, in terms of who, how that will shake out. But, um, you know, there have been uh, – you've got to read between the lines and what goes unsaid often in these situations, football or any sport, is, is as important as what's actually said. And, and just the raves on Billy Shrouth over time. The raves have come mm-hmm. from Howard Cross back in bowl prep uh, as, as strong a rave about a guy who has to go up against him regularly. You know, it's like, okay, well, that guy's got a future, Billy Shrouth. Um, and, and certainly the pedigree was there as a recruit. That was a big, that was a big get. That was a guy that got away from Joe Rudolph, by the way, away right. from Wisconsin. Wisconsin. That was a big L for the Wisconsin <laughs> recruiting machine to lose a cheeser all the way to, to Notre Dame. But um, so I just can't. If he's healthy, I cannot uh, envision a scenario where Billy Shrouth is not the starting left guard at Navy. Uh, against Navy, but um, and on the right side, it's a that's kind of like you know, do you want the guy with some experience, eight straight starts over a two-season period, and had the opening start under duress last year at Ohio State because Jared Patterson was hurt. That's Kristoffic. Kristoffic's mm-hmm. okay. He's he's solid, but the upside, you know, the future. If you want to talk about the the guard combination, the way we currently talk about the tackle combination, that's a Shrouth Spindler, you know. M- animal combination, two guys who are just going to, along with Zeke Carell at center, uh, make Notre Dame just a physical smash mouth, run it wherever they feel like running it kind of offense. So Strouth and Spindler at the guard combinations the next three years, maybe not in 2023, right? I, I, like I said, I, I'm, I think it's just when, when Rocco's ready, and by the way, Joe Rudolph had a lot of positive things to say that, that, that seemed to as much as they can be through the without truth serum seem to be legit he's pleased with Rocco Spindler's progress from the end of spring camp when we saw him getting uh, as close to chewed out as you get chewed out (laughs) in this program because it's very positive uh, for when we're seeing it and I believe overall but Spindler you know was having a little trouble with some of the and I posted the video and people want to see it It it's kind of cool that Rocco was struggling with uh, getting in the hoop you know moving because Joe Rudolph has a lot of uh Props mm-hmm. at the uh, like all the coaches, but but the big uh, physio ball and the hoop and, and whatever Rocco was getting uh, was getting yelled out, uh, called out a bit in the spring, and now you know he's he's oh, the pedigree's there. That uh, Shrouth and Spindler, yes, the way you said it, and I do expect that to be the thing. They got a four-game run-up, really. They have a four-game preseason. Let's face it. Now you can't. Oh, NC State, I'm on record saying, don't mess around with that noon game placement of it all that navy you know you're going to really have to monitor your emotions and your and your uh, 
I guess just your readiness to play uh, after being on a plane for that long and the whole all of it. And Navy, what they did in the second half last year uh, resonates against Notre Dame. But uh, generally, it should be 4-0 going into Ohio State. Who's the starting right guard by Ohio State? I, at the moment, I'd say Spindler. So that's the offensive line. We started the second day of practice after seeing the entire practice on the first day. Second day, we got to meet some of the tight ends. No Michael Mayer this year. Mayer had 67 catches last season. Can the tight ends combine for 67 catches this year? How about this? The entire uh, career um, production on that group, and you wrote about Holden Stays, who's mm -hmm. got that big upside. That's I want to hear, hear more about Holden Stays. <laughs> but um, the career production in that room is, is basically what Michael Mayer did in the one game against BYU. Mm -hmm. It's his BYU game which was pretty darn good because that's now his home stadium. In Vegas. In Allegiant Stadium. But, um, and, uh, you know, it's concerning that Kevin Bauman uh, has, has missed practice in the five periods that we're allowed to watch. After we very specific, he's working on the side in the five periods we're allowed to watch now twice. Is he twice. in the pit? We cannot uh, refer oh, to you that. Can't, we can't refer to that. Well, hasn't, we haven't gotten this year's update, but I, I'm not going to – I'm just going to say in the five periods that we observed, the media – Kevin Bauman was on the side taking yep. mental reps. Um, and Eli Raritan's on record saying, and that's a little disconcerting because they're both coming off the ACL, mm -hmm. but Eli Raritan, when we talked to him at, during spring ball, was very optimistic that this second ACL was going to be uh, straightforward, you know, no setbacks. He knew the drill. It was the same leg, et cetera. And yet he's on a 10-day at a 10-day window kind of plan where he's not fully cleared and and he's he's not getting ex, uh, exposed to contact and he's not participating fully in certainly 11 on 11 or anything really truly competition was his term because um, he's lacking some mass as he rebuilds that leg that right leg and um, and there's some pain still anytime you hear a player op you know openly saying that the second ACL, you know, is, is still uh, a concern to him and he feels it zings him sometimes. Mm -hmm. That's a pretty important guy, not just in what he could do in the pass game, but as I wrote about in our preview online, I mean, this, this is a guy who's an excellent blocker and was, it was even better than, or right up there with Mayer in the national stats in terms of the way pro football focus looks at it. Eli Reardon is a guy you can run behind, he's a guy who opens the holes on the goal line, short yardage, and, um, and he's not fully cleared. So we'll have to see on that. Holden stays. What My did, guy. What was that? Uh, you, what did you observe? When, you, know, you wrote about him. It's there at ND Insider. What did you see when you looked in his eyes? The first day of practice. Like we say, like we make, we make, fun, of, we make fun of being able to only see the five, first five periods because they don't do a whole heck of a lot in those periods. But the first five periods on the first day of practice as we're walking from the Irish Athletic Center to where we have to sit in the shade, by the way, which thankfully <laughs> yes. we got shade that day because it was brutally hot last weekend. But as I'm walking from the, the, the indoor facility to the, to the stands, I look over and the tight ends are doing some red zone work. And I just look at Holden Stays and I had to do a double take. And then I did another double take <laughs> because it's like, who the heck is that guy? Like he's, he's listed as 6'4 and a quarter and 242 pounds. But he looks more like he's 6'7". Like, he looks like he can be on the Notre Dame men's basketball team. Just the size of him. He looks like, and, and when I talked with Holden Stays the next day, he talked about how he likes to get out of his – he's able to get out of his catch radius and make the tough catches. So, when it comes to the red zone situation, 
Run, Holden stays right down the seam into the goal line, throw the ball. He's probably the only guy that's going to get it. I love Holden stays. I think right now, if they played at against Navy, and like you said, it's 20, 23 days, 23 days from away. This taping. I think Holden day Holden stays is your starting tight end. I just I just think he, above he, Mitchell Evans. I think so. I, I think Mitchell Evans is more of they'll use, uh, two, they'll use two a lot. Yeah, they'll, they'll play a lot of the two twelve tight personnel. Yeah, twelve personnel. You've Got to say twelve personnel sounds footbally. It's more footbally. People Not 11. We don't want to. How about 13 has, personnel? Uh, third, well, you'll see that. You'll see 14. <laughs> Rack them up. But uh, I think that happened in the BC game. But uh, well, go ahead. Uh, Holden stays. You think gets? He's out there for the first snap. They if the well, maybe it stays in Evans. That's a nice yeah, combination. It is. Of, yeah. So the people who are saying uh, Michael Mayer tried to explain it in, this, in at pro day. Mm-hmm. You know the tight end room is not in crisis. It's no. not. There's there's pieces to come. This is tight end you, and it's just a matter of who's going to step forward. The opportunity. Holden stays, you know, this is an old school reference, but one of the all-time greats. There's something to be said for a guy with that lankiness, and you think of Kellen Winslow, the elder. Yes. There's something about it. How could you not, as a quarterback, look for him first? Because he's always going to seem available. Open or not, he's got the catch radius, like you said. By the way, I believe you you might remember this play um, from last year. One of the very first things we saw in one of these open periods with Holden stays who, like Raritan, was a June enrollee mm-hmm. of 22, is Jack Kaiser was covering him down the field in just one-on-one drills, and there was a play where he just had to lay out and stretch out and catch it, and, you just, and he made the catch, just got here, holding stays, and he's like, you know, you circle it. You circle the number, you file it away, and you're like, that can be done against anybody. Mm-hmm. That's not defensible. And um, we'll see what the hands are like. We'll see what the – can he repeat it? But um, that's a very inviting uh, target for Sam Hartman. I'm still stuck on the Kellen Winslow reference. I love Kellen Winslow. Right, yeah. Well, Miami, Orange Bowl, yeah. playoff The game. elder. The elder Kellen His Winslow. son had his troubles. Yeah, but he well, was a we tremendous won't... target as well at Miami. Right. You know, you, and that's, then Jeremy Shockey was on the same team, and they still, Dorsey, would, you know, they'd find Winslow. But uh, I was there for the game, uh, one of the all and I was a little Dolphin fan yes, growing were. up. And I was South there for the, for the 41-38 game and the fame one. It, we, it, it, that'll always be a gold standard for me of uh, you know, just the, the guy you cannot stop. And, and uh, of course, he went on to do a little TV and seemed like a very nice guy. But the, the 13-year-old me was not very pleased with Kellen Winslow that day <laughs> after, after one of the greatest games of all time, the greatest uh, playoff game in my estimation. So it was only fitting that the day after we talked to all the young guys in the tight end room, we got the three old guys in the linebacker room. With it's it's almost fitting that when you say the linebackers are are, are set to talk to the media, you're gonna talk to Jack Kaiser, you're gonna talk to J.D. Bertrand, and you're gonna talk to Maris Leofile, and that's it. Three old guys, the three starters, the three guys that played the most snaps in the line at the linebacker position last season, but gotta go a little deeper this year. Can they go a little deeper other than those three? Well, um, you know, it's interesting. We didn't get to talk to Kaiser or Bertrand in the spring. Because uh, the young guys were in the spring. The young guys and Prince Kali, no longer pictured, yes. uh, now at Vanderbilt, was, was your column that day. I wrote, was, I wrote a Prince Kali column in early, in April, early April. And like three days later, four, maybe four days later, he was gone. 
No, it was it was it was after the spring game. You, you but you foreshadowed it a bit because yeah. certainly that was that was on his mind. He said uh, it was an incredible quote at the time, and you used it that he he looked at Leofau and it was, for as much respect as he had for him, he thought I can do that and maybe some things better. You know, he was he needed an opportunity, and I root for him down at Vanderbilt. He's right. a first class guy, um, and had a great game against Navy last year. But Nolan Ziegler is a guy that they're hoping will step into that role. It's uh, and along with Jalen Sneed, who's now this, this amazing chess piece, um, Ziegler is, was not uh, pictured the other day. We did not see him when he, uh, the other day at practice. And mm-hmm. Al Golden said right out that Ziegler's been dinged along with Sneed, uh, you know, uncharacterized, un- uh, uh, open-ended dinged, you'll have to ask. Marcus Freeman. Well, we don't get Marcus Freeman daily. So uh, as far as I know, in Nolan Ziegler, you hope that it's a minor thing and he can get back there soon because he has uh, distinguished himself as a potential special teams weapon, as a guy who can play inside now. And of course, the athleticism going back to high school, he can do a lot of things. Mm-hmm. He's on the rise. Um, and then those, the young guys that were allowed to pile up uh, so-called tackles in the, in the spring game, you know, those are, that got all the fans excited about, you know, Drake Bowen and even Preston Zinter, and, and, uh, but Sneed's the one who now will, will get more, more run, finally, it seems, if he stays healthy and, and he keeps producing. Um, uh, that, that's almost the uh, defensive version of Holden Stays. A guy who, a piece who, like, you know, you just see when you line up pre-snap, that's a problem. Who are you at as the beat guy? Who are you asked about more by the fans that want to know when is this guy going to play? Is it Jalen Sneed or is it Rocco Spindler? Tobias Merriweather is the one that, that you get the most free he, Tobias. But he played last head. year. Yeah, not much. But not much. One more than those other guys. Free Tobias is a, a hashtag. That still? Still. Um, there's a lot of, there's a lot of uh, intrigue and expectation around that because, again, that's a guy 6'4", down the field. He's going to have a fine year, I have to believe. Mm-hmm. Um, because he's got a guy who can stretch the field. But that's the offense. We're talking defense right now. But what about you? Who do, who do, you, who do they ask you about? I'd say Jalen Sneed yeah. because of his, what his resume is. And I don't get too caught up in offensive linemen because you know you go to the University of Notre Dame, you know that you're going to have to sit probably longer than people want you to sit if you're an offensive lineman. It's a process. It is a process. Yeah. It's, not a, it's, not a, it's not a come right in. As an early, if you're an early enrollee, come right in and start challenging for a starting job before you play or go through an entire football season. So it's a process with Rocco Spindler. He's been patient with it, which I give him credit for. Maybe a lot of other people in his position, people asking him on the outside from his high school or his hometown or his family. Well, we don't ever play. get to talk to Rocco. We don't. We don't. Yeah, know. He's, he's never talked. He's photogenic. He? he seems funny. He's, you know, he's got the rock star. Uh, you know, he's, 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 been, he's been photographed in some things that uh, have gone viral. Uh, he's after a game, coming off the field. Seems like a big personality. We haven't gotten to talk mm-hmm. to him yet. And looking forward to it. Not talking to Rocco Spindler, I was not there earlier this week when you got the chance to sit down with some of the defensive linemen. What were some of your takeaways from the D-line, a position that, like wide receiver last year, the D-line is really under the microscope and the spotlight, losing Isaiah Foskey, losing the Adam Aeolas, What's up with the D-line this week? Well, we got seven of them. And, and you got to all seven. You probably have transcripts of all seven of them. I'm getting there. We have <laughs> – I have to go back through the tape. 
But uh, no, I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's a deep group, as it better be. But we did not get to talk to Howard Cross, really? III, who's excellent on any topic. Yes. And we did not get to talk to Javante Jean-Baptiste uh, this time. We got him way back when he first, in the winter, the, uh, when he first got here from Ohio State. But um, so that was a disappointment because both those guys are elder statesmen and, and uh, you know, they can, they can turn a phrase. But uh, no, it's a, it's, it's a group that uh, it's nice to see Nana, Osafo, Mensa getting a little attention. It's nice to see Riley Mills. Uh, there's more of Riley Mills uh, uh, now. He's playing more inside. And he's always been a big guy. You know, he can bounce from field end to defensive tackle. But he's, he's going to uh, occupy. We, we talked uh, the last podcast about where pressure needs to come from. And I think I mentioned Howard Cross. But um, there's, there's several guys that can. Anye, Jason Anye's star is on the rise after being completely buried. You know, no, there was no in, interest in, really in his progress. No questions about him a year ago. And now he come, he's right there talking away and, and uh, has become a threat inside. So Al Washington is developing. Depth is a word you keep hearing. And they have to develop. These are, there's new faces. There's talent. It's mm-hmm. unproven. It's untested. Everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the mouth. These guys will have setbacks within a game. They'll have setbacks week to week. They'll, who can play through pain and dings and whatever they call it. Uh, run defense not just pass rush, but run defense was an issue last year at times, and they're going to get tested right out of the chute by <laughs> Navy. Speaking of Javante John Baptiste, when I saw him in spring, I looked at him when he took his helmet off and thought, oh, he must not like the cold weather. <laughs> but he also wears the face mask in hot weather. What's up with that? Yeah, well, we not available for questions. Well, I didn't know if the, Al Washington to had the said general anything. media. I know you yet, took the picture of it. Al had a great line about that. He said because uh, he was with them at Ohio State. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, he was coaching linebackers then, but he he was with them, and he, he did not. He said you'll have to. Interesting. He said you'll have to text him. You'll have to text him, and so <laughs> I guess that that's an open invitation to reach out for that information, uh, which uh, technically might be you know, forbidden. Yes, but um, you'll be, you'll I, be violating some media rules, Mike. But it's right there. We've been encouraged to text uh, for information, for clarification. That's all. I don't think that's going to affect a win or a loss this year. But um, next time we get him, we're going to have to ask. But basically, he said maybe that you know because it's awfully hot out there. You know, yes. The last thing you want is another layer, and he's not really going to need that layer. You're right. He's played in cold weather. Ohio mm-hmm. State player. Uh, he's from New Jersey, Bergen County. Uh, it's going to be a, it's going to be interesting to find out. I will say he's not afraid of attention. He's proven with his gamer, uh, you know, he lists his, his status as gamer athlete, you know, because he's not taking he's not he's not in any degree seeking program. He's here to he's here to improve his pro stock. He's just here to play football. Build a little nil value, a little personal brand. He should be, he's fun. He was fun to talk to uh, way back in February, and we look forward to our next chat and getting a ruling on that if someone doesn't text him uh, in advance. Okay, well, Fighting Irish. Maybe he, he'll just post it. Maybe he'll see that. And because and, I put it out, I put that quote out there on Facebook, and he's welcome to uh, answer that right there. And there's still publicly. been no response. Has there been any response to that? To, to that question? Yeah. I, I don't know. I can't, I, that doesn't, not that I'm aware of, because I'm, I miss a lot. Well, I hope you didn't miss this. Fighting Irish Media did it again on Monday morning when they released the uniform reveal for this year's big game last year of course it was the game in las vegas the shamrock series game against brigham young where they did the parody of the hangover and 
just when you think they couldn't top it, they wound up topping it with a spoof out of Jerry Maguire with Sam Hartman. I think Sam Hart. I missed that day in practice where everybody had to go in front of the camera and say who won, the, who, who, who was the best actor in that. Yeah, I don't do that. You didn't do that? I don't do that. I, didn't, I wasn't there that day. I'm not I, there to provide content. I, I, I would have I said Sam Hartman, but Sam Hartman was in it. Uh, Audric Esme played the role of Cuba Gooding Jr. and Marcus Freeman played the role of Tom Cruise from the Jerry Maguire movie. We can say yes, no on what the spoof was like, but let's go to the uniforms. All green uniforms for the Ohio State game. How many days until the Ohio State game do we know? Hmm. Get, let's get on that. We, we need to hmm. effort that during a break. All green uniforms. Yes, no. Good, bad, like them, don't like them, don't care. A little leprechaun They're a little soft green. They're not, they're not sharp green. Thank God they, they, they're not what I call the shamrock shake green that the Notre Dame men's basketball team wore back in 2013 that were god-awful. I think those were Adidas uniforms. These are, these are obviously made by Under Armour, but they're not. Well, let, let me put something out there. and, and, and you Put it out there. It. Let's go. Uh, telegraphing, you know, notice this, this, this university has great history of the surprise mm-hmm. uniform change. You know, I know you can only play the card so many times, but, and I know you got to get, you know, they, they want to make sure that, that the stands are as green right. as they are scarlet, and that's going to be a hef- hefty challenge. But you know what I would have done if they'd asked me, hey, what do you think? Okay, this is it. Hold back. You know, let them wear pants. Let mm-hmm. me make this clear. I was, I'd save the green pants for when they actually come out of the tunnel. And I would let all this stuff be the, the green jersey, because mm-hmm. you know it's green jersey, they already announced that, right. I knew that. But the reveal of the pants, I'm just telling you, I'm not Carl Lagerfeld or whatever, but I, 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 I'm not Tommy Hilfiger, but I'd hold back, I'd, I, I'm just making it clear, let them wear pants, but not green pants, until they come out of that tunnel. Here come the Irish, and they're wearing green pants. Oh, then, my God, the place goes up for I grabs. Have at, I have been in Death Valley at Clemson, and Tim Beret, Notre Dame mm-hmm. uh, alum and legend of, the, of Clemson sports information as well, and going back to Bob Bradley, his, his mentor, they would have it in the game notes, constantly update Clemson's record when wearing orange pants. Mm-hmm. And uh, to this day, they have that, and, and they have this superhuman feeling when they're in the orange pants. Or maybe Florida felt that way for a while in the blue pants. I don't know. But I would have held back the green pants. The novelty of it was that. You know who came up with the green jersey idea, don't you? Originally? Digger? Of course. Yeah. And every single year that Notre Dame wears its green jersey, undoubtedly, without <laughs> question, I'm getting a phone call sometime during the game, Sometime after the game, sometime up in the lead up to the game, if the green oh, yeah. jersey has been announced, and it's Digger on the other end saying, <laughs> "You know, I came up with that idea," and they're doing it all wrong. They, he wants it done the way you did, like like practice in the na- in the home navy yeah. and the home gold pants. Go through your warm ups, go through your routine, and then when you go back into the locker room and up the tunnel, then that's when you put you, you yes. put the green on. Yes. Does it work that year when Digger did it when they played Southern Cal? And that, ever since then, Digger has always laid claim. He did it again under Divine, and 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 you know that, that when you change, there's something about when you change uh, on the you know, once it's game day and you see one. I don't know why it can work, but it's it's there's a tradition, and you just feel like you can't screw up the tradition now that you come out in these alternate 
you know, pants and, uh, or jersey. Now, I understand, though, the green jersey thing is taking on life of its own. Mm-hmm. And you want to know what game, and they're going to sell a lot of them, right? They're going to sell in it. But here's the thing. If you see anybody walking around South Bend in the next month, two months, uh, a month and a half, wearing green game pants, yeah, you might want to call the authorities. You might want to get a wellness check going <laughs> on somebody. Anybody buys the game pants, it's, it's a little off. Do they even sell those things? I don't. I hope they not. don't. They can't I sell hope those not. things. So why are you giving that away? Because you know, if I'm Ryan Day, I'm just I'm sitting back and I'm like, all right, I know what I'm dealing with. I'm dealing with green jerseys and green pants, guys. We're gonna be. That's how he sounds when he's you know planning. And and he. And he I don't think there, I think you put too much personality in that comment, <laughs> by the way. And you just gave away. You gave away like 12 percent of your game day advantage. You just gave it away for a, a couple of, you know, likes on Twitter. So the, they we call it. They used the Jerry Maguire spoof to unveil all that, and I was told by a Notre Dame spokesperson that it was top secret. They could not tell me where they got the cell phone that Marcus Freeman used oh, yeah. in that bit because it was like a 1990 cell phone. Yeah. I said, "Where did you get how how did you find that thing?" And the answer was, "We can't tell you that." Hmm. So Try to get was to the bottom a, of the we, story. Could you tell the brand of it? Was no, it you could. Motorola, you could, Nokia. I think it might have been Motorola. Ericsson. It might have been, but it was. You, you, you couldn't tell what brand it was, or really how, or That's even like, if it worked. But they yeah. also had the they also had the cell phone ring in there, which was classic because you don't hear that that ring in there anymore. I like the way Marcus ended his uh, speech. And I said, a little stiff, you know, on, on, on the acting, a little stiff. It's not his, it's not his uh, wheelhouse. Um, he's great. He's better at the selfie than at the uh, <laughs> acting imitation stuff. And that goes back even to the, to the desert scene. Who am I to say, you know, again, I'm, I'm not Gene Shalit, but uh, um, I, I like the way he, he did nail the, la- he nailed the ending when he threw the cell phone down and leaned back. That was exactly Tom Cruise. Uh, that's what that's how I recall the film and uh, you know good good for them but uh, you started with the hangover last year and then mm-hmm. you go all the way back two that de- you jump back two full decades to a lasting move what, what year did it come out like 96 nice okay so you go back a decade and a half and so by that like the next year I'd like to imagine that they're gonna go back to the early 80s or so and so I don't think like a Kramer versus Kramer uh, <laughs> How are you going to spoof Kramer versus Kramer? It's going to be very sad. You know, it's going to be it's just the Billy's crying and you, the pancakes are burning or whatever. And and uh, it, it, he should start now. But I'm uh, my money's on Kramer versus Kramer to oh, prepare for the yes. It's don't, gonna, don't put a lot of money Dustin on Kramer Hoffman and Meryl Streep. Yeah. How about how about if we're going to go that go back that far? Let's keep it in Indiana and do something with Breaking Away. Wow. How about that? But when did that come out? Mid-70s? 70s. Yeah. Like with Kramer versus sure. Kramer. All right, sure. Well, that's going to re- require them to get on bicycles, and uh, that could be dangerous. That could be... <laughs> But uh, that's that's that could be a fun thing to throw out to the people. Let's let's scoop them on their own spoof. Let's scoop the spoof. Scoop the spoof. And you know, if we get it right, they'll they'll put it on the shelf. They won't even do it. They won't they acknowledge. Won't, they won't do it. No. They, you they won't do it. You can't acknowledge the fact that the media comes up with a good idea. No. Or no. even it's got to come. It's got to come in house from the content creation team and the and the thinkers. You know, the brand the brand uh, builders. Some kind of, sort of, maybe. But the thing about the pants, I'm not backing off of that at all. They blew it. They blew it with the green <laughs> pant reveal now. Save it. 
And I bet Digger agrees. Some somebody send me a, a picture of Mark M Mike Berardino in Dublin <laughs> because I guarantee he's going to be wearing the green pants <laughs> in, in Dublin, Ireland. I guarantee you. Oh boy. Because nobody else Wait. is going to be able to see it. We're not making the trip. You're the only one making the trip from the South Bend Tribune. Put some hip pads in there. Yeah, you got some hip pads. Just as long as they don't fool around with the helmet. Don't go with a green helmet. Stay. Keep mm. the helmet gold. Don't go all green. Keep it gold, please. Yeah. Only request. Yeah. So some kind of, sort of, maybe breaking news also earlier this week that it was reported that, that Notre Dame and Under Armour have reached an agreement, 10-year agreement, to continue with Under Armour. Maybe it was going to be Jordan Brand. Maybe it was going to be Nike. There was an outside chance that they could go just totally off the wall and go Adidas or Puma or whatever. Puma? How about Under Armour? Like it? I don't like it. Yeah. Uh, well, first of all, you know, Kevin Plank started that whole Under Armour thing, and the big, um, one of the big attractions of getting uh, into an association with Under Armour at the start of the deal was stock options. Mm -hmm. And has been well documented, that uh, made a lot of sense at the time, but went poof because Under Armour stock and, uh, and Under Armour just lost so much cachet. So, and cash. But um, they've revamped the executive team there. I've read up on it a little bit as a, as, a, as a pseudo investor. And they've got the Marriott people. And any sports writer has to be excited about the idea that the Marriott people, <laughs> yes. like two of the top Marriott people, were stolen away to help fix Under Armour like months ago. Like back oh, I thought spring. you were going to say they had a partnership with Marriott. So no, like it's more than that. It's like the, the, the minds of you know, Marriott, the people who, like, there's no outlet out there, there's no entity out there in the world who respects the, the media, the sports writer, especially, as much as Marriott. They, they yep. were actually human there. And we're allowed to go into the concierge lounge and all that, but, uh, and, and stay right until they close. And we but, get an uh, upgrade on our rooms if they oh, have it available. Stuff. That's right. Nice yeah, corner so, room for us. Yes, yeah, so I see you're just beaming at the idea of Marriott. I, I, I thought you were going to say they have such a partnership that when, since we're elite members of, of well, Marriott, no, yeah, we could get some Under Armour gear out of it. Yeah, titanium. Tit no, we don't. I don't want any no. gear. I'm just saying. My point is, I think if the if the stock options are still a thing, this is uh, there actually may be a way that Notre Dame gets a lot more than the uh, reported hundred million dollars over ten years. And by the way, Under Armour. Was so screwed up. They, I think they, the number was they had to like pay UCLA 68 million just to get out of the just deal. To, just to be like, just we're done here. So 10 million a year is, is incredibly incredible as it sounds. It's kind of no matter what it is now in the reset universe of of apparel, pretty light in where what and compared to the numbers Under Armour sewing around when it thought it was going to take over the world, uh, it didn't. But the other thing that you, you're worried about if the, if it turns out to be the case, and it's been reported in multiple places now. Uh, Ross Dellinger mm -hmm. had it first at Yahoo. Um, the idea that you hear um, Under Armour's uh, cleats are not uh, the best. And that, that when people get away from here even, I've, been, I've heard you know, anecdotally, uh, the Under Armour cleats, you look at the stress fractures, especially for the big fellas, the lineman, it's an offensive-defensive line-driven program. We hear that from Marcus Freeman wisely all the time. Marcus Freeman just walked in, and you just sound like Marcus Freeman. Offensive-defensive lineman-driven program. Wouldn't it make sense if the priority is not to set any records with the apparel deal, but to actually continue this, this trend line up toward a national championship? Say, what do you guys, how would you fellas vote on 
uh, the, the actual cleat. What's the most important part of apparel? It's not the hoodie. It's not the quarter zip. It's not the cap. It's not. It's not the pants. It's it's the cleats. It's the shoes. It's the shoes, money. It's got to be about the shoes. But see, that's the thing. Everybody talks about what great gear that Under Armour has. Whether it's what, Who cares? whatever, whatever. I know whatever Marcus Freeman's wearing at the press conference or or during the game or post game or post practice. They love the gear. I have not seen anybody say that the shoes are really good, whether it's football, whether it's men's basketball, whether it's women's basketball. The one concern that all these people have that have to wear this stuff are the shoes and the cleats aren't very good. No. I'd say that's an issue. That's, it's, been a, it's been an issue for men's basketball since they moved over from Adidas. A couple years ago when they, they won the Maui Invitational, 2017, and they had real designs of possibly getting to the Sweet 16. Then they come back from Maui and they go up to Michigan State and play in East Lansing. And oh, by the way, that's when Bonzi Colson feels like he's got pain in his foot. Mm. And there, there are people around that program that, that insist maybe it could have gone differently if they weren't wearing Under Armour. And they've stayed with Under Armour. And it, it's just been something where the gear's great, the shoes not so much, and if I'm Notre Dame, that's a big red flag if if my athlete, my student athletes that have to wear these things, they have to try to make a living after college going to professional football or professional basketball, and they have issues with the shoes, I'd be like, eh, maybe Under Armour's not for us, no matter what the monetary figures are. And these are things that, you know, they talk a lot about analytics uh, all around college sports now, but here, you know, there's no better overall uh, team of analytics, uh, you know, people to crunch the numbers. And I, I have to believe that you could look anecdote and more than anecdotally, you could look analytically at uh, instances of reported uh, stress fractures or other, you know, high ankle sprains or other foot related. And let's go right up to ACLs mm-hmm. um, all around the country and just break it down. You know, we haven't done this yet, but uh, it sounds like a good assignment for you, Tom, in your free time. And we'll look at all the Nike schools. Wait, free time. And, and all the Adidas free time. and whatever, all the, all the Under Armour and you got Puma in there, whatever, whoever else is doing stuff in the college football realm. Let's mm-hmm. keep it to that. And let's go back a decade and let's just try to see, is there, is there, are there, is it more than just a red flag in our minds or just anecdotally that you hear from guys who have left the program, man, the, those, those, you hear it, you just hear it that they, especially if they go to another program and they get a chance to wear, say, Nike cleats or Jordan brand, mm-hmm. um, the, the difference I've been told is night and day for them, for the guys who need the, the most comfort in their feet. So Isotoner always had that slogan, you know, take care of the hands that take care of you. I'd say take care of the, the feet right. that take care of you. And that's, that's all these guys in football. Your brand of choice of shoe, what is it? Uh, whatever's on sale. Whatever's within Are a Are you range. a Skechers guy? <laughs> uh, no, no. But um, I did, I bought, I, I'm not... Uh, uh, what would the term be? I'm not a I'm not a uniped on that or anything. I, I'll I'll uh, I'll I'll stretch it around. But uh, Brooks feels awfully good. And I'm not a ru- you're a runner. Yes. You, what's your that's you know for a runner especially that can change that hurt your back if you have a wrong shoe. Uh, I'm not a runner. I'm a I'm a non-impact kind of guy. I'm a, I'm a resistance band guy and I'm just hanging in there. But uh, Brooks, boy, you put that on, it feels like a cloud. And they're going to be our new sponsor, uh, by the way, of this show. We could use it feels a sponsor. like you're standing on cloud. Do you run on Brooks or, a- or Asics or, uh, and Nike? Saucony? No, no Saucony. Saucony. Nah. Usually either Asics or Nike. And I found a couple of good, really good pairs of Nike that I've had for or that I've 
had for like the last eight months that have been really good, and now I need to get some more. So I'm a Nike guy. Yeah. No Under Armour. Nike, right. Nike for hoops shoes too. So. Yeah. Um, New Balance, if it's just walking shoes around, but Brooks are my walking shoes right now, and and uh, and actually, um, I, I do. I think it. I, you know, I, I can only imagine. Just just extrapolate. If that helps, uh, guys like us, you know, who are putting very little, uh, you know, we're, we're not. 300 pounders yet uh, and we're not trying to to move uh, 600 pounds at a time we're not doing the force applied is nothing like that uh, I, would, I just would have started with a poll maybe they did maybe they did ask him but I would be stunned if if the uh, if the vote would have gone to Under Armour among the players on the current roster true enough shoe talk let's get back yeah. to football we'll take a break after we come back we'll bring on our special guests to talk more Notre Dame football college football and who's this year's version of TCU that's going to come from nowhere and maybe play for a national championship. We'll talk about all that in just a minute. Back on the Notre Dame Insider pot of gold, we are joined by John Bryce, the national college football writer for footballscoop.com, also a contributor to Fighting Irish Media. Welcome to the WNDU studios, our NBC news affiliate gathering partner and home to count down to kickoff. Are you ready for kickoff? No, I'm, I'm not remotely ready for, for kickoff. Uh, I appreciate you guys having me on the show again and uh, the opportunity to be here with you in studio after Tom, you and I potted from uh, o- Omaha, I think a year yes, ago for the uh, amazing Link Jarrett Fighting Irish run to the College Baseball World Series. No, I'm not remotely ready for um, the opening of football season, 23 days away, as you guys have uh, made note of. 51 days, I believe, until that Ohio State game. Thank you. That's, he was uh, over there. He I'm was here. over there recently. I was. I, you should have, I was like Ernest T. Bass over there, banging my feet so that I could count all the way up to 51. But, no, here we are. Uh, I wasn't ready for camp to open last week. I'm not ready for football season to be uh, 23 day, days away. Obviously, three weeks from today, uh, I'll be in Ireland uh, as – one of those making the trek over, and here we are. It's an exciting time. I think this is a Notre Dame season full of almost limitless opportunity, but I'm just not ready for football. I'm, uh, I'm still wondering where summer has gone already. Yes. <laughs> of the limited time and practice that we have been able to see, what's jumped out at you that said, whoa, I didn't know that, or also, yeah, I kind of expected that uh, that's what we were going to get from this guy or that position. Um, there, there are a few things, even though it has been limited, and we saw that first day uh, all the way through, even though it was just helmets and, and shorts and gear like that. Uh, first, overall, Joe Alt is just phenomenal. I mean, <laughs> you, you see these guys and you say, okay, he's a really good college football player. Joe Alt, to me, is one of the first guys I've seen that you truly think could have a career waiting for him that ends up in Canton mm-hmm. at the next level. He is that good. I compare him in terms of just physical skill set to Eric Berry, another guy that I covered very closely when I was covering at the University of Tennessee and in SEC country. Um, he's just that different. He's that physically imposing, and he's just as much mentally imposing because of his understanding of the game, his football intelligence, uh, and just his mentality to want to go out and dominate. There are other great players uh, on this Notre Dame roster, but, but to me, beyond Joe Alt and 
maybe more overarching than Joe Alt, is how much faster this Notre Dame football team is on both sides of the ball, but particularly in the secondary and then the job that Chancey Stuckey and company have done rebuilding that wide receiver room. And when, when I started getting more around the Notre Dame football program five years ago or so, um, people would ask me, what do you think about how this program compares to the SEC and I would say then just not fast enough at the second and third ends of the defense now they're so experienced at the linebacker position they're waiting on a guy like like Jalen Sneed to come and be the new uh, Jeremiah Wusu Koromora in terms of that athletic ability to fly all over the field and make plays but there's so much more top-end athleticism on this Notre Dame roster but particularly at those two areas what do you got well, th- it's good to be with you. Thanks, Mike. Um, yeah, Owusu Koromoa is is, a, is is the comp, isn't it, for Snead? And uh, you know, that guy that won the Butkus Award mm-hmm. kind of gets forgotten because it was in the COVID year, but uh, and it's doing big things in the pros. Um, what has to happen for Snead to to be that kind of weapon? If you were the defensive coordinator, how would you how would you deploy him? You know, first and foremost, I think Jalen Sneed should be a first-month star on special teams for this Notre Dame team. I think that that is one of the most clear-cut paths to a greater role in a lot of programs. And Nick Saban in the past has taken some of his freshmen and shown clips of them, uh, clips of a Derrick Henry playing special teams, clips of a Julio Jones or a Calvin Ridley playing special teams, clips of an Eddie Lacy, and and so many, Josh Jacobs, so many of those other guys. So for me, I think Jalen Sneed has to carve not just a role where he's on special teams, but stand out some on special teams, make some big-time plays, and then also he's just got to button down on and off the field. And it's a lot to be a Notre Dame football person, a Notre Dame student athlete, and with the various demands on and off the field. And I think some people adjust more quickly than others. I think that Jalen Sneed can be uh, adjusting. He's getting closer to being fully adjusted on and off the field. But that, to me, are the, are the two keys for him. Then, once he gets that comfort and takes care of all those things, he'll have more time to hear, uh, to focus on what we heard earlier this week, Mike, and that is uh, velocity. And uh, that's certainly <laughs> velocity and violence were the key words, I think, in visiting with the defensive lineman. You have to think that velocity is carrying over on all, si- on all positions of the defense. And, and they explain that velocity means being able to play fast because there's clarity of understanding what you need to do. And um, we know that. You you know, my, my golf swing is an abject disaster when I'm thinking too much about it. And um, it's not routine for me. And I guess you've got to get to that where you feel it's routine. And then you can work on fine-tuning and harnessing your abilities. You talk about Joe Alt being superhuman on his way to Canton. Well, he was the only one. Of course, he's a mechanical engineering major. as like a 3-3 average GPA. And I asked a few of the guys uh, to define... The actual scientific, the physics, I don't know it, I had to Google it, but the physics uh, equation for uh, velocity, and he just ripped it right off. Yeah. He just had it right there, and I, you know, it's, it's got a, a D and a T and an X and this and that, and he defined it for me because I'm, you know, I'm an adult, and, and, and it was just, it was real helpful, and I, that's all online at, at ndinsider.com. Uh, I don't know if we have the actual formula the way you need to express it, but we have about 1,700 words of all these players talking about clarity equals velocity. What the heck does that mean? And, and, and really, it only matters what they take from it. Yes. How does it, what does it, how does that convert into plays on the field? Um, 
So yes, we did. We did. I think we're gonna hear more about that too. That's this. That's the mantra of that's August. It. That's it. And it's not a bad one. Not no, a bad one I, to put in their minds. No, you're right. And and again, it's going to mean something different to a lot of the the different players. But ultimately, it's going to mean when they feel they have that clarity, they're going to be able to go out on the field and play with that velocity or that speed. And and speed's the key. Speed has never been more key in the college football game as uh, offenses work to spread you all over the field. Tempo things are in play there. They're going to be more tempo and speed elements with some of the clock changes this year that I think are going to be interesting to monitor and see how much that speeds up the overall flow of the game and how offenses particularly respond to that and try to get as many plays snapped as possible. So that's sort of where I'm, I'm most impressed right now. They're really deep at the running back position. I think there are multiple future um, NFL running backs there. I'm not sitting here saying that, that Notre Dame has some first-round picks and who knows how many first-round running back picks there will continue to be right now in the NFL the way that um, the league is kind of de-emphasizing the position. But there are multiple guys who are going to have a chance to play at the next level. Um, and then like you, Holden stays, looks really, really good. Um, looks like a bigger, potentially more dynamic version of uh, Tommy Trimble, in my opinion. Yeah, Tremble is an incredible blocker, and I think stays mm-hmm. still admittedly learning uh, to be physical in that way. Uh, backing up a little bit to one of the cool things you got to do this summer for Football Scoop, I believe you had a little trip of the mountain time zone. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, it's a little cooler at that time, and also some interesting uh, personalities and programs. And I believe you, not just the Colorado group, but you sat with BYU and Utah. And at Utah, did you happen to run into Andy Ludwig? Uh, you know, that's funny. I wanted to run into Andy Ludwig. They hit him, didn't they? And, yeah. and um, I did not. Yeah, that was that was really fortunate for me. And I will go ahead and thank all of those programs again, BYU, Utah, and Utah State. That's right. I got to do a Beehive State tour, so to speak, of their top college football programs and dive more into really Utah is, is – as a whole, a college football hotbed because Weber State is so really good and you've got some other D2 programs, but did not run into Andy Ludwig. I did get to ask some folks about uh, Andy Ludwig when I was at Utah and they just said that uh, we're really glad we kept him. We don't know for sure just how close it got, but we know we're really glad we kept him, especially as Utah um, expects to have their quarterback back from injury um, in time probably. They were optimistic that he's back August 31st for that opener against Florida and jumping around a little bit. I know you guys are going to ask who could be that TCU team. Um, Utah has been knocking at the door, and if they're healthy, they get Florida to open with. They've got some other opportunity games in there. They're trying to set a record with a third straight Pac-12 championship. So there's a lot going for that Utah program. Not only do you cover Notre Dame like you just mentioned, you cover nationally. Given where college football is right now, is it on the brink of something really big happening before we even get to the start of the season with Florida State unhappy? Seems like only a matter of time before they challenge the grant of rights in the ACC. Pac-12 looks like it's it's ready to fall off the uh, into the Pacific Ocean with Colorado leaving for the Big 12. Maybe the Big 10 want, now they're going to talk about maybe expanding, and if they do, they're bringing Oregon and Washington into the mix. This is getting really interesting before we get even get to Week Zero, right? Yeah, it, it is, and, and the Big 12 certainly has asserted itself right behind the SEC and the Big 10 in terms of the hierarchy of major college athletics. I do think that that seismic change is coming much, much sooner than later. Uh, As we've talked to people this week, be it coaches around the country, agents around the country, uh, some 
current and retired college administrators, it's inevitable. It's happening much sooner rather than much later. Uh, the, the term I heard, and I'm not a huge soccer fan, I follow it enough to be um, at least cognizant of it, but the, the most compelling term I've heard is that Washington State and Oregon State, where this the soccer world, are in danger of relegation. Mm -hmm. And I thought that that was an unbelievable way of putting it, uh, but they're not going to have a home. They're not of interest to the Big Ten. They don't philosophically, I think, match up with the Big Ten. Uh, they may end up in the Mountain West. The Mountain West may be able to position itself after all of this shakes out as maybe becoming that fourth conference because of what they almost get by default. The um, new Pac-12. But I think that I think that Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah will get into the Big 12. Um, I do, I've been told point blank that the Big 10 has already mocked uh, schedules, competition schedules for the future that include Washington and Oregon. Mm -hmm. I think that, that those two are coming much sooner than, rather than much later. Cal and Stanford are a couple of wild cards because they don't particularly emphasize athletics in any way, shape, or form. Uh, David Shaw would tell you his program, because of their draconian restrictions, never remotely recovered from COVID and the things. And then on top of that, they face further difficulties uh, with their ability to take transfers, even more restrictive than what the University of Notre Dame faces. So I do believe that seismic change is coming to college football. Um, the Pac-12 is for all intents and purposes done as a football league. Where it goes from here is anyone's guess uh, in terms of beyond what, what we kind of outlined there. The ACC, I don't think, is very far behind. And when you hear the Florida State executives talking about They've studied the, the grant of rights, and they're not real worried about it. And then you know, um, I've talked with coaches in the ACC who have told me point blank over the course of the summer, our lawyers have been studying this all summer. Our school's legal counsel has been looking at this all summer. What can we do? What will we do? If enough of them bolt, then nobody owes anything for the grant of rights. That's how it works. It dissolves. Uh, and then also, can the AC, could, could the ACC even afford to try to sue somebody? Mm -hmm. So I, I think um, some of the changes are going to be great. I think the Big 12, um, the moves that I believe they're poised to make and, are, and have already made with the addition of, of Colorado are going to make that conference have some more, yeah, it's gonna be huge geographically, but it's going to bring some regional elements back into it. I still, uh, I'm an old school college athletics fan. I still believe in the importance of regional rivalries um, and, and some of the things that we all grew up watching. Last question, we get you out of here. When we talk realignment, when you read about realignment, for us covering the program that we cover, it's always, what does this mean for Notre Dame? So where do you see Notre Dame going, if anywhere, or is it just too early to say their best move is to do this? Yeah, I think it's too early to say. I think that um, Notre Dame and, and this new NBC deal that, that's coming sooner rather than later, and we've already seen NBC wading into Big Ten football, I think that Notre Dame's juxtapositioning next to the Big Ten is going to be very good for the Irish. I think that Notre Dame is poised to get significantly and substantially more money from NBC because of this and because it's going to be so adjacent to Big Ten programming. But look, the, the playoff field is expanding to 12. USC going to the Big Ten, but as already discussed, being able to preserve its rivalry with Notre Dame. Stanford's going to need Notre Dame more than ever the way things are shaking out. All that matters is that Notre Dame be able to schedule 
really 10 quality games moving forward. We're seeing Notre Dame play an FCS team this fall, I believe, for the first time in, in Tennessee yep. State. Um, you might have one or two of those games moving forward, but nothing beyond about 10 core games is going to matter because Notre Dame's already made a concession. Notre Dame already said, we don't have to be one of the teams that gets an automatic buy in this 12-team format. In fact, we're okay. We want you to have to come to South Bend in December. And as a Southerner, I can tell you there is an adjustment to that. <laughs> so I don't think Notre Dame is its own entity. I've learned that more than anything being up here. Notre Dame is a globally recognized, powerful brand. It can march to its own drum because it's that much in demand. It's how it can um, accept a deal from Under Armour that's by and large one of the largest or projected to be one of the largest ever. Frankly, it's a deal that will keep Under Armour's doors open. That's how important that deal was to Under Armour. And so I don't think Notre Dame has to panic and make a move. I also think that this season is poised to make Notre Dame as or more attractive than it's been in a really long time because of how good I believe they should be on the field. And I firmly believe they'll go to Clemson as a college football playoff contender squarely in the top six to eight teams at that point in time. But then you have a, one of the most charismatic coaches in all of college football. So I think Notre Dame's in a great position. Good stuff, my man. That's John Bryce, footballscoop.com, Fighting Irish Media. Come back, talk to us during the season, please. Please, have me back again, well, and then you can take me to lunch. There you go. <laughs> Somebody else is taking you to lunch first. I think that guy is my boss. So we'll come back and wrap up this edition of Pot of Gold right after this. Back on the pot of gold here in the studios of our NBC-affiliated news partner at WNDU, home of the countdown to kick off Notre Dame football pregame show. We'll go back to some more Notre Dame football. Some quick hitters now. It's called buy or sell or hold, right? Or hold. Or hold. Easy. We'll th I'll throw out a name. Are we buying? That means we're all in on the guy. Sell. Don't want anything to do with it. Within the context, let's define it, uh, okay. of 2023, but right. like this full season, right. buy, sell, or hold. Right. Wow. So it's not, the, the guy could be, a, he, he could be a, a sell this year. That doesn't mean that he's going to be a sell th th sure. throughout his entire career. So yeah. buy, sell, hold. Why don't you go first? You want me to go first? Well, I'm going to throw, we're going to throw the name. It's a new segment. It is. We're, it's we're, brand we're, new we're flying blind right now. So however we, 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 we. <laughs> However, we continue with this. Let's we'll just throw that. You know what? Uh, we'll 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 toggle. I'll throw out a name, and we'll we'll give our buy, sell, or hold recommendation, and mm -hmm. then we'll discuss briefly, and then you'll throw the next name. How about that? So, yep. kind of like Red Rover. <laughs> Red so, Rover, Red Rover. Let Mike B come over. All right. Um, um, what do we got? Bubakar Traore. <laughs> That's how we're gonna start. Yes. Buy. You're buying? I'm buying. You're buying. Because Al Washington said with excitement in his voice, he specifically, specifically took a little detour in a longer answer and said, Bubakar's going to be really good. And, but and I going, heard, is he going to be really good now? I think they're going to need, they're still looking for those last people. He is physically, shockingly, you know, he, he's, he can move. He seems to have the bulk of an older player. He's just got here. Uh, I'm just that's a that's I'll just throw that right out there. I, um, that's it. In, that'll be a no-brainer if we have the same segment in the spring. Mm -hmm. But right now, I think they may be able to find a role. I'm going to buy. So Bubakar, right now, what First of all, what position? Oh, I have yeah. no idea. I just liked what Al Washington said about him. See, but, you, uh, you have that inside no, information. I was not able to listen to Al Washington earlier in the week. Yeah. So. No, I think I think uh, th that's the thing is these guys reshape their bodies. Mm -hmm. That's no, now offensive line. 
not to drag this part out, but as you correctly stated, offensive line, that's a full process. But yeah. defense, especially defensive line, you're going to change your body, but you can kind of play one spot while you're changing your body, and then next year, as Riley Mills did, mm -hmm. uh, the, the ones who can uh, – who can bite? Uh, they, they bite early. They bite as pups, as Parcells said. So uh, we'll see. Keep an, I've got Bubakar um, on my list. So Bubakar this year will be the version of Benjamin Morrison. Oh, now that's now that's putting words in my mouth. Huh? I'm not. But no, a freshman, that. a freshman that nobody well, saw coming. That was a freshman All-American. I'm not. But, I'm not but a freshman there. that nobody saw coming. Like I we just think that when this guy, the nice thing is they then they want. This is how you recruit at this level. Is they've made it clear that if you come here and you show you can you can keep up, and you can flash in these practices that we don't get to see portions of, mm -hmm. um, then you're going to get some run. You're going to get the reps. And there's enough reps to go around eight, nine, ten guys on that defensive line, especially in the first four weeks. There will be opportunity for that depth chart to change markedly, especially on the defensive line. People who make an impact, people who create chaos, people who can, who can win one-on-one -on -one, uh, or you know one-on-two if you're a, a nose. Um, I just think that they're going to get a chance, and he, he seems to have flashed early based on what we've seen a little bit just in taking role. Mm -hmm. And, of course, um, it's a deep group, but it's, it, the opportunities are open. Okay, so you'll buy. I think I'll sell just because he's a true freshman, and there All are right. guys ahead of him that maybe or should deliver. Jordan Batella should deliver. So you're buying, I'm selling. I'll go with the next guy. Oh, I thought you were going to put Jordan, but let's put Jordan Batello out. Uh, nah, nah. Let's do it. Okay, well, okay, we'll go with Jordan Batello. I'll buy Jordan Batello. Like you, it's if there's ever a time for him to have a position to have an impact, it's right now. Like they, they need, they need Jordan Batello to be more than just the third and seven guy. What are you going to go, go, go wreak havoc on first and ten, second and seven? Don't just be a third and seven guy that's going to rush the passer and, and, and flush him out of the pocket on third down. Be an every down guy, and I think this is, this is his time and it's his turn to be that guy for Al Golden's defense in 2023. I'm going to hold because uh, the guys below him or equal to him um, in junior Tui Halamaka and especially this Josh Burnham, uh, might just claw right past them because, again, the raves about them from not just Al Washington but Al Golden, the excitement in their voice, and they're excited. You know, they're excited about everybody. Yeah. They're, they're. But I'm just telling you, I, I think that there's the, the uh, we're wordsmiths, right? We have to parse the, the the language, and we and again, what's unsaid sometimes it's unspoken. It's nonverbal cues. It's you know the, the guy's just beaming when the guy's name comes up. I don't know. Maybe they can, maybe they can they can they can uh, game that. But I think they're really definitely going to give opportunity to Junior, and I think Junior's going to outperform Jordan, if I had to guess right now. And I think Josh Burnham's going to get his chances to come off the edge, and, um, and it would not surprise me at all, even though he's untested redshirt freshman, uh, if he factors, especially in these first four games. So I'm, I'm going to buy. I'm going to hold You're Jordan Botello because those other two are buys for me. But can you, spell, can you type Tui Halamaka quickly? No, but I can say it. I practice. <laughs> but you don't have to say it. You're going to have to type it. <laughs> You're right. I That's... just go with junior. <laughs> junior. He's one word. Junior T. Junior T. In there the you notes. go. You know, his first name, it, it was nice of him to go by junior. I was hopeful. <laughs> Nuiafa? 
who's, who's your next buy, sell, hold? Oh, okay. Um, let's go with uh, Jaden Mickey. I'm going to go uh, hold. It was a tough year for him last year. I know the upside long term. I wouldn't mm -hmm. bet against this young man. He's very mature. He's been through a lot. You know, his mom is a fighter. His, his dad is, is, a, is a professor, uh, sociologist. Um, Jaden Mickey's got a lot to like long term, but I think he's going to have to build that confidence. You can't speak it into, I believe in speaking things into existence, but on the field, they're going to go at him until he proves that he can break passes up, that he can keep up with the best receivers out there, and he's going to see some future pros. And so right now, that's a hold. And it was a struggle for him at the end of last season. He made his first start at USC back home in California, said it was a learning experience, even though Caleb Williams looked like the Heisman Trophy winner playing against that secondary. So it'll take time for Jordan Mickey. He'll have that time this year if Benjamin Morrison and Cam Hart are as good as we expect them to be then Mickey doesn't have to really play that central role. He can be more of a support guy, and maybe he finds his footing, maybe he finds his confidence. So I'm going to go with you. I'm going to say hold on Jaden Mickey for okay. 2023. We'll go to the, let's go to the offensive side. Yeah, they, they do play offense, don't they? It's, it's, We're doing all defensive guys. All right, first offensive guy, buy, hold, sell, Chris Tyree. New position. Maybe... I'll, I'll say he'll he'll stay in the slot. He won't, I don't I don't know if they're gonna he's gonna toggle back and forth between wide receiver and running back because of the loss of Logan Diggs. I think he's strictly a slot guy. I think that's his best position. And if we're saying right now in early August what the what the projection for Chris Tyree is, I'm buying on Chris Tyree. I think he can find a, a, a role as the slot guy as a, a, a good option for Sam Hartman. And you look at what Chris Tyree's done during his career. He's been more of an impact player, if you want to say impact player, as a receiver than a running back. So I think, I, think, I think he can find his niche in this offense, being a wide receiver, and especially playing with a guy like Sam Hartman who can, who can get him open. Yeah, I'm going to go by as well, even though you know it's, it feels a little like the hype machine and there is a lot of rust to scrape off or a lot of uh, newness to the role. But, um, and even, I, it's funny, I had asked Chris Tyree, because uh, he would get split out and even put in the slot as a running back last year. Um, I asked him, I think, USC week about, some, you know, what are the biggest challenges about finding space as a slot guy? And he talked about all that traffic you've mm -hmm. got to navigate. And that's where his speed's actually negated. You're looking more for shiftiness. You're looking for the strength of a Jaden Thomas, basically a tight end playing in the slot. I think you're going to see Tyree split out and, and allowed to, to just go. There'll be some nine, nine route with him because you got a guy who will stretch the field in Sam Hartman. And you're not, you know, as fast as Tyree is, Hartman will be able to get the ball to him. Um, so I'm going to go buy on that. Amazing stat that uh, all the uh, receivers had a 20,000 catch goal for the summer, mm -hmm. for the offseason that Chancey Stuckey set for them. And um, Tyree, uh, it's been mentioned by Marcus Freeman, got to 18,000. 18, those are not all coming from Sam Hartman and his fellow quarterback's arms. They're coming from this monarch seeker that can, that can throw uh, four balls at once, maybe six. It's incredible. It's, you know, just, you're just imagining like something out of a, a, out of a, of a, of a Marvel uh, comic. But um, I, have a, I have an interview set up with the monarch seeker, and I'm going to get to the bottom of, of just how it you – know, what did, what did it think, this inanimate object, think about Chris Tyree and the other receivers that it threw to mm -hmm. 20,000 times? 
a lot of footballs. Twenty thousand. I mean, that's, that, I mean, how, it's exhausting just saying that. <laughs> I mean, so I, uh, you're not going to outwork him or outrun Chris Tyree. All right, who's next? Oh, yeah, I get you're to up, you're right, up. I'm up. Let's go. We're going to say well, Jadarian Price. You've written about him. Yes. I've written about him. Uh, and we've seen little bits here and there. We, you know, hard to read into it. Mm-hmm. It's nice to see him healthy um, after you know full year basically of uh, rehabbing a, an Achilles tear. As great as he was in the spring game, as an early enrollee, I'm going to go hold. And I, I probably, you know, hold, I want it hold, and that's the, I'm a Libra, and I, I, I don't want to sell somebody. You know, it's going to get back to them. And they're going to be like, they're going to give you one-word answers when you talk to them. I don't know. I need to be a little more bold on this. I don't want to sell price, but I'm still holding because I'm, I'm, I'm in wait-and-see mode. Can he hold up? Will the opportunities be there? That's a deep room. They brought in Devin Ford, um, who's going to, from Penn State, who may get a little bit of a run. Uh, Jabron Payne has had a chance to actually do more in that year uh, off, you know, in practice, and he can be a, a punt return possibility too. But um, uh, I'm going to say hold on, on Tyree or, or on uh, Price right now just because of, it's tough coming off that first year of, a, of an Achilles. I'm going in with both feet with Jader and Price. I'm going right. to say bye because now with the, with the asterisk and the caveat of if we see that we're supposed to see an entire practice on Tuesday, it's Thursday right now, and Tuesday we're supposed to see an entire practice, hopefully they're in full pads, hopefully they're doing stuff to where we can see that Jadarian Price is ready to take that next step. Because yeah. out of pads and in like just one-on-one and position stuff, he looks really good. Like he, he can be a guy behind Audric Estime. What happens with pads? What happens when the hitting starts for real? Maybe he's not as aggressive and confident as he's shown so far the first seven, eight practices of fall camp. So buy on Jadarian Price, but let's wait and see what he's been able, what, he's, what, what he can show next week when we're able to see a full padded practice. And maybe, maybe if, if anything, I would go from either staying it by or I'll go to hold. I don't, I'm not going to sell Jadarian Price. I, I just think... He looks like he's ready to be a college running back right now. So let's buy Jadarian Price. Let's just do one more of those because then we're going to recap for the people. And we, we will own this. Uh, and we, we will. I'm writing it down. Write it down because I'm not writing it down. And it's important that we own our mistakes and that we revel in our, in our clairvoyance occasionally. But, um, and so you're, I believe it's your, you're on the clock. La- let's stay. Uh, how, many, how many defense we had? I think another offense would be good. We have right. three defense. Let's let's end with this one. Deion Colsey. Mm. I am going to sell Deion Colsey. The, Why is that? The the possibility and the, the the opportunity is there for him, but again, limited practice time. Maybe he's set maybe he's maybe he looks like a a frontline wide receiver when the media is not there. But in the limited time that we've seen Deion Colsey, I have not seen anything where you look at Holden Stays and say, he looks like a frontline guy. You look at Tobias Merriweather, frontline guy. Audric Estime, frontline guy. I haven't seen that from Deion Colsey yet. And until you do, it, it's, it's hard to say he's ready to make the jump that he needs to make in this program because it's opportunities there, but they've got a lot of young wide receivers coming behind Deion Colsey that are going to challenge for playing time, I think, sooner than later. So I'm, I'm, I'm selling on Deion Colsey until we see it. Navy, Tennessee State, 
six catches, 137 yards against Tennessee State, then I'll say, all right, I'm wrong on Deion Colsey, and he's a player. But until then, I, I just can't go there. Hmm. So I'm, I, uh, I can't use hold again. I've used three holds, and that's... that's You're a neutral that's, guy. That's, buy that's, or sell. Let's go. Nothing. I'm going to buy on Colsey. That gives me no sells this time. But um, I'm going to buy because, uh, you know, he had a third down role, different quarterback, obviously, last year. But he carved out a go-to role on third down. He's a big catch radius guy. He seemed to know how to get open in space or in tight quarters. And, um, yes, that's a deeper room. But this is a guy with some positive production to draw upon. And uh, he does get lost in the shuffle a little bit, especially with Tyree going out there. Um, Jaden Thomas has gotten even stronger and and has made the highlight catches. You know, back shoulder throws are going to be a thing this year. They actually have a guy who can do that. That's an NFL-type throw. And they did not have uh, people who could do that. Jack Cohn to some extent. But this uh, Sam Hartman's going to look for guys who can – Make the, uh, make, you know, it be in communication with him. And Colsey's, because he's got the reps, because he's got a little bit of second half of last year at Syracuse, at USC production, um, I think he is a guy that I, I will buy. Here's one guy. Well, I'll throw one more. All name right. You. One, guy, one guy you're not holding. Sam Hartman. Right. We're buy- I'm buying Sam Hartman. True. Well, one of the things about buy, sell, hold that we will we'll refine, you know, we're always refining in the next <laughs> segment, is um, has to do with, you know, sometimes the stock's overvalued. Sometimes there's too much hype. Sometimes we're just asking. Sometimes we forget that this is an offensive line, defensive line driven program. And so I'm, and I'm as guilty of it as anybody. I've just said it. Sam Hartman, you know, uh, you think in terms of the Heisman. But no, is the I'm ball not going gonna, there. Is the ball going to go down? Is, is he going to have enough opportunities? Uh, if if they if that offensive line gels the way it tends to take a few weeks uh, at Notre Dame, but if mm-hmm. it, if it gels by that Ohio State game and they can just pound it and be 50-50 run pass, and Audric Estime is actually the one who goes up toward 12, 1500 yards, and and Hartman's throwing you know completing 65% of his passes but not throwing for gaudy numbers, that's a hold. That becomes a hold really because the expectation right now is Sam will lead them to the promised land. And really, he's going to need a whole lot of help. Uh, I think he'll be excellent. But uh, he's going to need also, you know, they're going to have to keep him healthy. They're going to have to keep him upright. Um, and I don't think that uh, he'll be able to run as much as he did, or certainly not by design. He's not going to run as much as he did at Wake Forest. He's going to, have to become a pocket passer. And a guy who's, a lot of times, the best move is just going to be turn around hand it to estimate because uh, there's going to be nobody, to, no contact for several yards if, if it goes the way they expect. So but that, those, that was a bonus. But, it, those, but those promised land dreams, yes, those come with beating Ohio State and beating USC and then going into Clemson and having a shot there. Like, I, I get fans saying, oh, Sam Hartman's going to do this, and Sam Hartman could be a Heisman Trophy I'm just buying Sam Harton because of the numbers that he, if he put those numbers up at Wake Forest, he can put numbers like that up at Notre Dame. And whether or not that means Heisman, whether or not that means college football playoff, whether that means number one ranked team in the country, that's for so far down the line right now that that doesn't matter. All I know is they've got a really good quarterback and they have the possibility to have a really good season. 
All right. All right. So well, we, we're, we're putting him down as the seventh one, which that was a that was a substantial back and forth. So, and I have it here in the and it's hermetically sealed now, and uh, and and we'll bring it up throughout the course of the year. We'll make a spreadsheet out of this. Go ahead. And, and uh, we will play this game again, and uh, we invite uh, our listeners to uh, to let us know how you would have voted on Bubakar, on Botello, on Mickey, on Tyree on Jadarian Price, on Colsey and Hartman, buy, hold, or sell. And if you have questions about that, and you have questions about the season, you have questions about what color pants Mike Veradino is going to wear <laughs> to, 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 in Dublin, go to any one of our, the end of our stories at selfintribune.com or Andy Insider. Our emails are both there. Email us some questions. We'll read some questions on the air on a future podcast, and we'll talk Notre Dame football. So... For Mike Berardino, my name is Tom Noy. We'll be back with another edition of Pot of Gold as we get closer to Navy and Notre Dame in Dublin. This is ND Insider's Pot of Gold. With all things Notre Dame football, Tom Noy, Mike Berardino, and Austin Huff. <laughs>